You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi, I want to open this Keep It episode with just a quick little conversation. Um, I know some of you saw me this weekend at the Dallas Cowboys game. Uh-huh. And uh, I just want you all to know that I was sitting next to George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. But you were and, cheerleading, which was and, so bizarre. And, you know, uh, I was cheerleading. I was sitting. And listen, he and I are friends. Sure. Okay? We're cool. So don't be mad at me. What do you have in common? <laughs> Um, List of things. I hate gay people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do not want those faggots to get married. Right. Sure. At all. Sure. Um, love missiles. Missiles. Yeah. Or love missiles. Karl Rove. Mm. Love the Southern strategy. Always love bringing that back. What's the Southern strategy? Can you describe it? You know, you're just like making white people think that black people are gonna murder them in their homes. Oh, okay, you love that. Yeah, love that. This anyway. whole Ellen thing was I haven't been as, I haven't been so disappointed since I learned Sandra Bernhard was best friends with Manuel Noriega. I mean, it's just very disappointing. I thought I knew her. Were you disappointed with Ellen? Yeah. I I think George W. Bush has been on the show before. Yes. So I wasn't I guess surprised. And also like Michelle Obama's friends with him. I guess I thought her explanation about the whole thing was a little bit more mamby pamby than I wanted. Oh, it was dumb. Yeah. It was very dumb. Uh, Mamby Pamby. By the way, I, I'm 175 years old. Also, Honestly, coming to the stage, Mamby Pamby. That is Matt Rogers. <laughs> Hi, voice. how are you guys? You're back. I am back. This is my second appearance on Keep It. Well, Matt. the first time you were a esteemed guest. Yes. To discuss the view. Yeah. And already I'm here, and it's daytime TV talk show host discussion. <laughs> it's my energy. I actually manifested Ellen fucking up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wasn't surprised because remember her, Kevin Hart. Apology Correct. tour. Yes. Who could forget? Uh, and who yeah. could ever be surprised whenever Ellen does shit like this? Yeah. Uh, I just found the Mamby Pamby, I guess. It was very silly to explain the fact that you're rich and it doesn't give a fuck who you hang out with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, I'm kind. And I wish that we had more kindness in the world. And also the whole, <laughs> so we're stupid. just two people on opposite sides of a divide. It's like, no, he was the president yeah. during that time, an extremely overtly homophobic president for yeah. one thing. And also the wars situation I found problematic. I know I'm unusual in that way. <laughs> there is, uh, the words blood on his hands have been used. Right. And we, we could use them again and again going forward. He was, There was a time, I think people would just forget because of the shitstorm we're in now, but there was a time when he was truly the bane of everyone's existence. Yeah. And now yeah. it's just like, he paints. No, and he's my least favorite painter other than Jim Carrey. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jim Carrey, is not, that's not his skill. Right, no, there's, there was also clapping in her audience, too, because I think... Ugh, they're I think, at gunpoint. I, I mean, <laughs> true. You will, you will clap and you will dance to they Justin Timberlake. They and she are at gunpoint doing Can't Stop the Feeling every time at the top of her episode. She is so mad that she set that for herself for the rest of her goddamn life. No, because there just also is this certain kind of person, right, who mm. believes that, yes, 
political beliefs, your different side of the aisle. Sure. You can be nice to everyone, no matter if the person is voting to take away your rights or actually doing it. Mm. You know, it's what came up in the 2016 election. Mm. And she was rage shaming. That's yeah. what she was. Yes, yeah. right. Because she also said, you know, people were mad and you know what they do when they're mad? They tweet. Yeah, she, she. this is a narrative for her. Yeah. Which is exclusively like a rich, wealthy, white woman they're, thing. And rich, wealthy, white, straight, or not even straight. Well, Ellen's straight. I mean, we should say that off the, right off right, the top. Yes. For all intents and purposes, Man loving Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres, DeGeneres yes. is a straight woman, and she operates she operates as a straight man, to be honest with you. When she says Portia, you know they think, like, who, her sister? Yeah, no. Portia is, a, Portia is a man's wife. <laughs> Portia is the name of a man's wife. Uh, Just uh, as Shakespeare intended, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lady Macbeth. <laughs> right. Yes. Indeed. Blood on the hand. See, oh, honey, it's all coming back around. <laughs> I mean, I could launch, I love your I could launch into that right now. Unsex me right now. Oh. Is that's that, what, not is that it. what she said? It's unsex, unsex me, me now. right now? <laughs> unsex me right now. The Ira Madison version. Sir, unsex me. Yeah. That Please. Is, that is the Mitski remix. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to anyway. keep it or not to keep it? Yeah. Um, Anyway, Ellen, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care about her. Mr. Wrong still slaps. <laughs> well, you know what? I, you know what I do. It, this is a movie from that era, but she is not in it. But I will attribute it to her and her energy. Remember, Dunstan checks in. Oh, duh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With, with Faye Dunaway. With Miss Faye. The, yes. The monkey. Yeah. That movie has Ellen DeGeneres energy for me. Just in terms How of so? like floppy, farcical. Yeah, she there, was around. There's like a monkey in it that does like a lot of like. Mm. Work. I feel like that's like very. Ellen has very like we're gonna have animals on the show energy. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. And there's an animal in that film. Very. very I believe <laughs> Ellen has bought a zoo. Yeah. Anyway, what a show we have today. I guess. Sp- <laughs> I mean, we started off with Ellen, and we have more clownery to talk about. Yep. Yep. Wow. Joker. That was that was good, Ira. Thank you. Thank you. I'm good with transitions. Buffoonery, clownery. <laughs> we're gonna talk about. Joker today. And I would I hope our listeners are incredibly proud of me for going to see this film because guess what? I would not have seen it otherwise, spoiler. Never in my life to be would fair, I have paid a cent. You saw it before me. <laughs> I mean I saw it this weekend. Yes. You were like, I hope we're talking about the Joker because I've seen it. Well, I want see, I'm very proud of this job and doing the work well. <laughs> so I went and submitted myself to the Century City Mall early. Oh, Century City. Oh, we just went shopping there. I went back. You know. I almost wore the shirt that I bought that day here today, but now I realize it's a little small and we have to talk about how we uh, help each other shop. Oh, yeah. No, Matt Rogers and I um, have wear the same silhouette. We wear the same and silhouette. And we're the same size, basically. Yeah. So we fought over a turtleneck sweater. And frankly, I won it because well, I am a member of Craftwork and he is not. I'm saving my arguments for this podcast okay. with you. Okay. So. All right, Shiv, fighting over <laughs> turtlenecks. Uh, Joker, and then we're going to talk about best songs of the 2010s. I love this. Just because Pitchfork has made us all talk about it. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel bad for people who don't like ranking things. It is so satisfying to it's me. very good. I know, just people being mad online all week. How dare you leave out Nicki Minaj's Roman Reloaded, the <laughs> remix, part two, 3500. <laughs> <laughs> the re-Roman. Part two, 3,500. <laughs> and uh, we have a guest today. Ugh. I, yes. Uh, the guest uh, could break my arm, frankly. <laughs> uh, Joe Manganiello yeah. will be here in he, the studio. Um, I expect when he comes in, we will start making, do you remember 
on Family Matters in the 90s when Stefan Urkel would appear and then yes. everybody would whoop for an hour. Yeah. That, that's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It's I, I, was be that. Th- I was thinking um, Christina Applegate walking into the room married with children. Yes, every time. Ow, yeah. ow, ow. <laughs> She's nine. <laughs> <laughs> She's deeply a preteen at best. And you're like, fuck yeah! Like literally, they, they, they stopped all short, but of like a man screaming, I will fuck her. Like, it's crazy psycho. That's what they scream when Ellen comes out. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. It's edited out. <laughs> we'll be right back. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire... Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Last week, Warner Brothers released the highly anticipated film Joker that may be a stretch, but it allowed people to actually see the film 
before forming an opinion about it. I've waited for us to discuss this on the show with all of the pre-controversy surrounding it, you know, from its Venice Film Festival Golden Lion round of applause. That is standing no ovation. the oddest thing in the world. Once you've seen it, it's so weird to think it won I that. mean, but people also gave like a standing ovation to Birth of a Nation. Oh, you can't trust any film festival. No. no. They're all no. paid off. Like I become... Especially the foreign ones. Yeah, right. No, everybody's performing and everybody wants to be written up in some article. We talked about this with Kyle Buchanan before. Yeah. Uh, and then there are also the controversies with director Todd Haynes. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> that was very shocking to hear those words. Yeah. Todd Haynes' Joker is actually worse. Um, <laughs> worse than this. More problematic. Yes. Uh, but you get to see a woman think in it. That's yes. true. One-sided nemesis, um, <laughs> Sasha Stone, in her initial review of Joker, mm. mentioned Todd Haynes instead of. You don't Todd say Phillips. she made a massive error on her website <laughs> without <laughs> without spell check, girl. Um, anyway, Todd Phillips had a lot of things to say about PC culture. Mm. The movie is maybe inspiring incels, Joker copycats. There's mass shooting fears. Uh, so let's just get into all of that first. Have people called this movie Inception yet? Because that's what it is. <laughs> See, it's like Christopher <laughs> Nolan, but in cells. Oh, this is how right. jokes it is. It is that. It did, I did have the same anxiety the whole time as I watched. So, obviously, you two hated the movie. Well, I, I mean, wouldn't say hate it. Well, it's interesting. I didn't hate it. My thing about the movie is, for 80% of the runtime, it's not really about the mm. Joker lore you're familiar with. But it basically counts on you having a connection with that character anyway. Because for the most part, the movie is, here's a person who is obviously crazy. He also was crazy, and now he's getting driven crazy. That, mm-hmm. like, in a way, there's no drama to it. Mm. You know, it's like statically, b- bad things keep happening to him. It keeps being the Price Is Right loser horns for a hundred minutes. It's a pile on the whole time. Yeah, it's mm. kind of like porny in that way. It's kind of just like it's getting so bad. There's nothing. I will say, really tried to like tackle economic disparity in a way. Mm-hmm. I think that felt real to now like that same anger and that same kind of um, hopelessness was very present throughout the movie and I also think it did a good job of showing what it's like when you have low income combined with mental illness I think that that's something that's happening out there and therefore like just to start positive I really liked that it attempted to survey that however it's toxic the movie is toxic I liked the stuff that you just mentioned Mm -hmm. there you know like i liked the mental health struggle i like the you know the part where the funding gets cut for um his government program tight screenplay you know yeah yeah that that works weirdly the stuff surrounding it Mm -hmm. doesn't work for me because the movie is so the movie is set in gotham Mm -hmm. uh in like some distant past it's supposed to evoke like late 70s 80s new york city and so the movie is weirdly, to me, racialized in a way that the movie never addresses. You know, his doctors are both black women. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of the service workers around are black people. Uh, the attacks that sort of happen, specifically the the subway one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to echo uh, Bernard Goetz and his shooting of three people who attacked him in the subway. Uh, but those people weren't white. You know, and it tries to toe this line of kill the rich, you know, kill like 
the Donald Trumps, like the people who are making money and like letting poor people uh, lose access to health care and um, et cetera. But it also wants to be both sides a of part the coin. Of, a part of the movie is a little bit incels have a point. Yeah, yes. that's literally it. I mean, it's it's humanizing how terror... I mean, he becomes a terrorist. Yeah. And so basically everything up to that point is just like, don't you understand how he became a terrorist? And it's like, wait, hold on a second. I just feel like I sat down to watch this movie and I was... I didn't think it was bad per se. Like I, I think there were some great scenes. I think that there was obviously, obviously an amazing central performance. But you have to ask the yourself the question. Great. I mean, it's Lawrence a it's Sturt a well made job. movie. Right. But right. you have to ask when you're watching this stuff like this, like who asked for this? And when you answer that question, who asked for this? The answer is really fucking scary. I think. Yeah. Right. Because you cannot sit here and tell me that someone watching this movie, someone out there, is not watching this movie and being like, you know what, this movie is right. I feel like this. And at the end of it, like, they do sort of glorify him in a way. Yeah. And so I'm not saying, like, "Mm, you're responsible for everything, but, like, you are responsible for the art that you create. And I'm wondering if, like, we needed this. Did we need this? Seriously? And then I'm reading articles where it's like, well, we thought it was a good thing to do because there wasn't a solidified version of the Joker story. It's like, Mm -hmm. bitch, we have seen several versions of this Joker story again and again and again. Like, And we've seen the definitive performance of this character, I feel. From Heath Ledger. Yes! Yes. Uh, Cesar Romero. We didn't need this. (laughs) Uh, Well, so I would actually counter that that is uh, in the Vanity Fair profile of Joaquin Phoenix, there are quotes from Todd Phillips, um, story director of Road Trip, Hangover, uh, um, War Dogs. Uh, I'm not going to drag him too much for those past movies because I actually think Road Trip and Hangover are very funny. They're fun. Uh, the, hangover, the peak ha- of the Tom Green hangover, revolution. Are, hangover are, 2 yeah. and 3 are garbage. <laughs> uh, and I didn't mind War Dogs, to be honest. Um, mm. But I will say that his quotes were basically the fact that he left comedy because he felt like comedy was getting too woke, this right? So like annoying. he couldn't make his frat bro movies that he used to make in the 2000s. And so he was like, how can I still do something that's like unexpected and crazy, but I can't do it in comedy? So he shifted to dramas. And he wanted to do The Joker, but this wasn't born out of any sort of, I want to do a definitive origin of The Joker. It felt a lot like Julie Taymor's Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Mm. It was someone who wanted to tell a story evocative of Martin Scorsese films. Like, you know, it's this is basically the king of comedy. Mm. Uh, it, it gets to <laughs> Mixed there a with bit. Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah. Um, I appreciated those references. Yes. But um, I would say it was more radicalized The Water Boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's echoing those because that's clearly, and Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix in Vanity Fair talks about oh. those are his favorite movies, right? Yeah. 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 And yeah. that these two, Artists wanted to create something like that, and the Joker was just an easy avenue for them to do it. Sean sure. Phillips is like, Warner Brothers, let me take this character and do this. I compared it to Julie Taymor because Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, when you see that, it has nothing to fucking do with Spider-Man. No. It went mm-hmm. through so many fucking rewrites because this heifer was interested in, like, I want to tell a story about, like, mm. Arachne and Greek theater. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I will guess I'll just use Spider-Man mm. to mm-hmm. do it. So it's 
reasons that really turned me off in the film are the fact that it wasn't someone who seemed at all interested in the Joker mythos, and it seemed like he wasn't even into comic books in general. Also, I would say, and I would say, like when the movie starts, you're not sure how much it's actually going to intersect with what you know about the Joker, and it does actually go there eventually. Unfortunately, yeah, I do not need to see Batman's fucking origin story Yeah, again. a child watching Pearls, that. Pearls cascading in the air. Truly for, nothing for, visually for, different. For 50 years. Nothing visually that. different about, and it's it's almost weird when this movie intersects with the sort of Batman like mythos or whatever, mm-hmm. the movie feels tonally very weird to me. Mm-hmm. Like when you see the, the Wayne house, and even like the way that Bruce Wayne is styled in the movie as a child and like the pearls of it all it's like this feels now like comic book universe and it's very disparate and maybe mm-hmm. that was on purpose yeah it almost but, yeah you're right it almost feels shoehorned in like right. uh, by like, warner brothers it like, seems like they were like there was a test screening where it's like well we need to see young batman looking concerned how do right. we know he's a human being if he doesn't see a murder right also um, how old is joaquin phoenix supposed to be yeah because i'm like, literally in the, life i'm like because <laughs> in life what how old are you supposed to be sir because does that mean that batman grows up and is fighting a 70 year old joker at some point because he should beat him at that point yes. truly though if we get one more slow shot of a man who's too thin hunched over before a locker like trying to do something and you see his back spasm mm-hmm. like this some shots of this i was just like okay we get it we understand right so that's the other very annoying thing about the narrative behind this film aside from the the violence and like is it bad that we're making a film like this mm-hmm. um I don't need another award cycle of Joaquin Phoenix pulling a fucking Leonardo DiCaprio from Revenant. I don't, I don't need we'll constant interviews of him talking about losing weight for this role. No. They're aiming for it. I personally think that performance is a list of kind of Oscar-related cliches and also horror villain or classic movie villain cliches. First of all, the weight loss, which is we're Dallas Buyers clubbing all over again. Mm. Another movie about gays and clubs, Dallas Buyers Club. (laughs) Um, But also, like, a lot of his acting is like Buffalo Bill from uh, Silence of the Lambs. The mother, he's always talking about mother like Norman Bates from Psycho. Mm. And to me, it just is like he's twisted in all the ways everybody is usually twisted. Expected. I'm not saying he's not committed to those things, yeah. but in a way, I would be very surprised if somebody watched that movie and didn't immediately think of six other movies with, with a character exactly like that. Right. And tonally, it wanted to be this bigger, fun, dramatic story, but it just wasn't, you know? And it's yeah. like, is it mental illness? Is it abuse? Is it society attacking him? It's like it, all do, of it. it does not know yeah. what it wants to be. And I think that that's why I was just sort of like flipping about the whole idea that this movie is dangerous. Mm. I just don't think it's interesting enough to be dangerous. And I think that mm. when that shooting sort of happened with The Dark Knight, I don't think people have even been able to really see The Dark Knight yet for that to happen. You know, the, I think the I person doing that was doing that maybe because of some sort of fixation on Batman, but it was like mostly just like, here is a place where people are concentrated, you know? I think that this is so, in the media, been discussed and calculated and like um, just sort of fanfic into being a repeat of that, that I just didn't see it happening. You know, I, I felt like reporters more wanted it to happen mm-hmm. um, in some like 
sick sort of like Thomas Swift way. It was like, oh, we will we will make sure something like this happens so then we have something to write about yeah. um, rather than anyone actually being attacked at the movie. I would agree with you that the media has exploded it. However, I don't think people out there are going to need it to be as interesting as you of might course. for it to cause mm-hmm. them to think and do certain things. Of course, me, but you can also get shot up at um, 100% Dwayne Ira. Reed. Of course, 100%, but it's just like... Watch uh, me. What, is, what, what, <laughs> what kind I just, of comment is that? Want to bet? Well, yeah. no, I just think that the yeah. current climate that we're in with regards to um, mass shootings yeah, yeah, yeah. has shifted from even what they were during Dark Knight era. You know? Mm. You Absolutely. Don't, you don't need a film like this to inspire it. I don't know. It probably just seems old hat to me. Like, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of being shot at a movie like that. You know? I'm, I'm afraid of being shot at work. I hear you. My biggest problem with, with this movie is not, like, I was scared to go see it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think my issue with the whole... Really, if I can boil down what there my are issue black is, people in my audience too, so I was mm. not afraid of being shot. <laughs> you need to look no further than what he is saying in the media right now, Todd Phillips. So he says things like, "You know, you try to do comedy and you can't these days." And it is like at the climax of this movie, he turns to Robert De Niro, who plays a talk show host, and he says he starts to go off about how like you all decide what comedy is, and comedy is subjective. So there is something at the heart of this that is very angry at the state of the world right now mm-hmm. and peace and, and retaliatory. Culture. And exactly. it's a retaliatory thing. And yeah. and so the way I feel about it is if you're out there saying shit like this, like we're too woke, PC culture's killing comedy, et cetera, what you are saying, literally what you're saying is you miss a time when minorities were silent, you miss a time when you didn't have to know what every letter in LGBTQ plus meant. You're, you miss a time when you were the only person occupying space. And so this is like a movie that is born out of like, yeah, fuck this. We're going to do whatever the fuck we want. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I resent that attitude because what you're saying is you miss a time when everyone except you was erased. He's, uh, That's right. literally what, what you were saying. I'm sorry if you don't like hearing that, right. but you're stomping your feet over there and this is what you're saying, and this is what we hear. Right. You hate not being insulated from a conversation that has always been occurring. That right. is that. It's always weird hearing that just because there are obviously plenty of things that are still really fucking funny. Uh, and I there mean, are also great. And there are also things from that era um, that are still funny. I mean, I mention it all the time. If people were really destroying offensive joke institutions, mm-hmm. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia would not still be on the air. Right, uh, right. And I think that that show every year, I, they have clunkers now because it's been on for like, what, right. 50 years? But there still manages to be like really funny episodes of that There's show. There's ribald, and weird, I, hilarious comedy everywhere. Yes, you know? And I think that's just a show that's in that sort of genre that yeah. Todd Phillips was sort of talking about. But it's managed to evolve over the years. And I think that yeah. comedy, too, just, it evolves. You know, yeah. we're not laughing at episodes of Welcome Back, Cotter in 2019. Right. So move on. Sometimes I am yeah. confronted with the fact that 500 years from now, the comedy that will hold up will be Jackass and not like anything, anything mm-hmm. we've put a lot of social commentary into. I worry about that. I will say that. But by the way, something else that goes unsaid about this movie is you talked about how it's like the king of comedy and taxi driver. And as the movie comes to its climax, those two movies come up. I mean, and in, Robert in a De Niro way. even plays Correct. the opposite. He plays the Jerry character. Lewis role, which he played in uh, King of Comedy. But also, the ending to me borrows heavily from Network, too. Mm. And I think that's mm. something that really, like, 
stifles the impact of the movie to me is I feel just like all of the elements from this movie are borrowed. And the final moment of the movie is this weird incel POD youth of a nation moment. (laughs) You know, that kind of uprising. Well, it also it also has it also has like three different endings. Yeah. Oh, including the, yeah, that what looks like an epilogue. Yeah, I yeah. was going to call it an epilogue. I don't yeah. know if we needed that. And also, I thought it was kind of unclear the way that ended. Right. At, well, I mean, it was clear that that other murder happened. Okay. Yeah. Though but, that's sad. Yeah, which is that? Well, you know, black women <laughs> got what they got and in that's, this movie. I guess that's that's another thing is it's like, you do say something when, when like, I don't know, that the whole end of that movie, I was like, this movie is ugly, man. Well, talking about... The borrowing. This, as a drama, felt very borrowed and pastiched and not in a good way like Tom Stoppard does. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was someone who has a lot of favorite movies from a specific genre and then was just duplicating them. And it doesn't seem like he has anything to say as a dramatist. Yeah. You well, know? also, it's only a humanized argument if you dehumanize everybody he's up against. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is the main problem with this movie. All it does is humanize this one character by dehumanizing everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is just terrible to him. Like, they have nothing to say about these other people, no perspective on those people. Specifically, there's a scene with him and his therapist, a black woman, where he's like, I don't think you're listening to me. You've never listened to me. Of course she's not fucking listening to you because she's probably got shit that she's dealing with too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's just like it ignores what everyone in society is probably going through to make you all be on the journey of this white man. Yeah, who prefers to be the loudest about what's happening to him. Yes. Right. Uh, uh, also, by the way... And no-, no one is actually ever really caring to him in the film. No. No, no, no. He also, has his but, mother, and then what they do with that character is like, like you're just like, wait, what? Yes. She is, Francis Beats. Conroy is really good, though. She's great. I mean, She's Francis great. Conroy is great, and we love whenever a C beats books. By the way, this reminded me of another movie. I don't mean to harp on this. Ordinary People. No. <laughs> do you see the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Of course. Where oh, wow. mo- mostly, Fuck. it's so silly, the concept of this movie. The only way they can heighten it is by making the city the most disgusting thing you've yes. ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I kept thinking... You are making this world so gross because there's not enough content in here to justify how bleak this is. Every room is filthy. Right. Every yeah. room in this film has filth all over the walls. There's books and papers stacked everywhere. I'm like, what are all these papers, bitch? Which, conversely, the reason why Secret of the Ooze is so good oh, yeah. is because it leans into camp and the comedy in the situation. And into Vanilla Ice, yes. Yes, I mean, I mean, just the opening of Secret of the Ooze with the... Um, with the pizza delivery guy delivering a pizza to the sewer. Right. Like, it sets up a completely different tone from but we the don't first get, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, but we don't get Judith Hogue as April O'Neil. Do you know how old she was in that movie? 22. Uh, anyway, back in those days, everybody was, like, 41 by default. <laughs> yeah, true. I, mean, I was confused. I mean, isn't that just, like, um, Keira Knightley being, like, basically 13 in love, actually? Yeah, right. She's right. still 13 to this day. Yeah, yeah. right. She's actually stayed 13. But in the 19th century. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yes. Atonement, too. <laughs> still atoning. Still atoning. <laughs> anyway, I would hope that Joker would inspire, if anything, other studios, since it made so much fucking money, yeah. to just maybe just go balls out with more superhero films. You know, like if you let other directors do Oh, very I think interesting they're going to do it. Do not worry about that. But yeah. if I want a dark comic, I'll read Fun Home. I've said it before. If I want a dark comic, I'll watch Anthony Jeselnik. <laughs> that was fucking bad. Edit that out. <laughs> 
if I want a dark comic, I'll watch Wanda Sykes' <laughs> yeah. new special yeah. Yeah, on Netflix. Because she's black. Of course, yeah. Dark. Yeah, gotcha. Monster. Anyway. anyway, we'll be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. We are back with Joe Vaganella. Hi. Hey. Hi. Um, we have met because you are on... In Albuquerque. In Albuquerque. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I love to hang out. The city that never sleeps. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> land, <laughs> land of ancho chili <laughs> and of people walking up to you at the gym and asking you, hey, man, you here filming? Uh, yeah, I am. Um you don't have a car here, do you? <laughs> uh, no. Why? Because mine's been stolen twice. Like, that oh, was wow. everyone's story. Wow. Okay. wow. You, don't ha- you don't have a car here, do you? Uh, no. Do you have a rental? Did they give you a rent? Uh, no. Okay, good. Because I had mine stolen. You know, I mean, like, that's wow. all. You- yeah, again like- and again, you heard this? Uh, like, every day. Wow. Random people just trying to, like, Im- implore me not to ever get a car there because they'll steal it and drive it across I mean, the border. Or trying to get rides home from you. Yeah. That's <laughs> a, a, a real roundabout way of asking <laughs> yeah. for a ride. So, it's a post Walter White society <laughs> yeah. down there. Would you give me a ride to Santa Fe? <laughs> yeah. I don't Do know. Do you need a ride somewhere? Cause, <laughs> uh, is that what this is? Because you, I can call you an Uber. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we could carpool. Which way are you headed? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, it was exciting because you were there and you have a small part in. Daybreak, mm-hmm. which comes out in a few weeks. We love yeah. that. Yeah, which I wrote on, and we'll keep talking about the initial reviews of people who have watched it. There's some. They're saying some really impressive things about the show. Yeah, they're saying words like groundbreaking. Mm. The word groundbreaking. The word groundbreaking has been used. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's very fun. Yeah. Uh, and I won't spoil anything, but he plays a character's dad. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wrote one scene that you were in, and it was funny. and I was on it set was that funny day. As hell. And, I got to watch uh, you throwing a football, <laughs> which I'm sure you were so bad at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. One thing I was interested to realize was that you trained in like theater at Carnegie Mellon. I did. Yeah. And were you did, good? Was I good? <laughs> yeah. yeah. College theater. I mean, particularly if you're going to be an actor, is seems incredibly competitive to me. Yeah. Uh, well, it was competitive to get in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think my year, I was one of 17 actors admitted, and I think there were a th- like a thousand yeah, tried bet. out mm-hmm. or something. You know, it's pretty pretty hardcore to get Coming into that school. And no joke. And then at the time when I was there, they used to cut people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That. And so I, de- I tried out for DePaul Theater. I was very afraid of that. Did, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they cut seven my first year and seven the second year. Okay. So, so they, it was the, the attrition rate was, wow. was pretty high. Um, but they were trying to prepare you for the business, a very mm. difficult business, and that most of you won't work. If you're not doing professional work, we're not going to give you an A. 
So freshman and sophomore years, no one was allowed to get an A. No one was allowed to hear clapping. Wow. For you. How like they, some people start clapping, stop it, stop it. Yeah. Don't you clap it. You know, or wow. don't give them a hug. You know, stuff like that. Did you go to a Forest Line High School? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. You walked wrong, you talked wrong. You know, it was it was hardcore. It was really hard. They would tell people things about, you know, physicality. Yeah. Like they'd mm-hmm. tell the girls you need to lose weight. They tell the guys you need to lose weight. Are you wow. sure you weren't just so. kidnapped? <laughs> 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 they would blindfold you. Yeah, right. yeah, they yeah, would yeah. beat you. They called you Tanya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, since you you left that, you know, you've had these roles, you know, like Alcide, you know, and um Big Dick Richie. Yeah, Big Dick Richie. Mm-hmm. Like are do you miss reading Shakespeare or reading, like, uh, George Bernard Shaw? Yeah, completely. Sure, of course. But then I'll just go do a play. Like, I haven't done a play in a few years, but, mm-hmm. like, the last one, I did um, Streetcar at Yale. Mm-hmm. Yale rep a few years back, mm-hmm. uh, which was... Stanley energy here. Yeah. Stan- I mean, not yeah. in a good way. Like, I'm going to beat you and, <laughs> yeah. yes, rape your sister or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was yeah. going to say I'm without those fly. elements. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, and can't that, do Tennessee Williams anymore. Not in this <laughs> nope. culture. Not in this climate, baby. <laughs> Not nowadays. Uh, and that that was uh, so. You know, I, I get to do plays every once in a while, and mm-hmm. um, but but here's the thing: like, you know, you mentioned True Blood and Al Seed, mm-hmm. and that's it's Alan Ball. Like mm-hmm. Alan Ball, of course. To me, I mean, I told him this. I said, Genius. you you would be Tennessee Williams back in the day, mm-hmm. like or or Tennessee Williams would be. Writing the show, right? Yeah, True Blood would be like if Tennessee Williams was in today's world, he would yes. make True Blood for, mm-hmm. for sure. So, um, so there's that. So you're getting to work with the people I think that that would have been, you know, those types of playwrights back in the day had you know, tr- TV and streaming and long form narrative not be what it is today. And getting to work on a couple films with Soderbergh and Greg Jacobs and company. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, you're working with the best storyteller, Sam Raimi. He's another mm-hmm. one. So yes, you know, yes, the, you worked with Sam on. I I was reminded of this scene the other day, which is hilarious because I love Spider Man and have a Spider Man tattoo. Um, but you play Flash Thompson. Yes, you in do. In the first movie, we were just talking yeah. about those movies before yeah. you got in too. I was saying that's my favorite superhero movie because it's fun. It, yeah. also, it gets that the stakes are incredibly high. Like, and it just seems to nail. We were we were discussing Joker. And oh, I was saying yeah. like I miss when this. They were a little bit more fun. And there's a performance by Macy Gray in that movie. Of course. Yes. Yeah. And the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Yeah. yeah. It had everything, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what's interesting about that Spider-Man, as opposed to the new ones, um, and, I mean, they're just... Different. Yeah, diff- just different. Yeah. But but in that one, Spider-Man was the only one. He was the only superhero mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. That just didn't exist. And where the new ones, which I think was an interesting take um, from John Watson Company, was... That he's not. He's a he's a teenager who grew up in high school, in the time of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. So you're turning on the TV, seeing Captain America. All the kids know who they are. They're all wearing their T-shirts. They're all yeah. they all idolize them. And then you wind up becoming one of them, which yeah. I thought was co- it was a really cool alternate. Take I do on like it. the Sp- the Spider-Man movies in the new Marvel of it all. They're I do great. like the Spider-Man movies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it reminds you of that feeling of reading older comic books, where you know, mm-hmm. like. They would interact before they became mm-hmm. so much now, uh, like 500 comics that you have to read a month. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like that idea. But there's also something to be said about the fact that you have this one superhero and it really just trades on that classic yeah. hero story. Uh, but we're in a different era. No, I don't know. 
But yeah. speaking of nerd lore, you yes. are associated with Dungeons and Dragons in a way that I did not understand about you until reading this brief. <laughs> so I would like you to justify okay. it because I have one main question about Dungeons and Dragons. Are you ready for it? Okay. Is it possible to be bad at it? <laughs> to be bad at Dungeons and Dragons? Because like, is there anybody who's like, oh, I play Dungeons and Dragons, but I've been in gnome jail for six years? <laughs> I was very bad at Dungeons and Dragons the time I tried to. Play. Really? Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can be so bad at it. You can be. Sure. Okay, oh, of it's not just like a yeah. social situation. No. I'm, I'm deeply, no. deeply wrong. No, you can it's, be bad well, at any game. When we were growing up, it, it, I mean, it's a game. It's a game with rules. Yeah. And you okay. can get better at those rules. Yeah. And you can actually go home and study and get better at it Got by it. yourself. Like, you can crack the books and figure out how to get better at playing your character. So I think in today's world with streaming, there's been such an emphasis put on like, I've got a funny voice. Yeah. I'm a little gnome is going to cast this. And it's like, shut the F up. That you is know, actually like, a very beautiful voice. You know, <laughs> we love what you did. Oh, you can swear as much but as you but want. People, yeah. people at home think, oh, well, I'm not an actor. It's like, who cares? It's a game. Yeah, like, yeah, go yeah. play the game and have fun. And you don't have to do any of that. That's, yeah. you know, I mean, but but yes, it, it is also a game. And, and it's it's one thing where, like, so I run a game at my house, and it's for a lot of people who used to play when they were younger, mm-hmm. who haven't played, who took, like, a 20-year hiatus, and they're coming back to it. And all of them are afraid. They're nervous. They're like, oh, man, well, you know, I don't, I don't remember how to play, and I don't want to hold you guys back. And it's like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, we, you know, nobody eats their own at the table. Everybody's trying to help everybody else out and look, you know, pointing at their character sheet. Okay, that, that's, that's the number you need, or add that one in, or everybody just helps out, and, and you wind up just getting it pretty quickly. Got it. You, you get back in. with, But yeah, you can be bad. There are people who are bad who have played like countless hours and it's just like, dude, you roll that, that same die. You roll that thing every <laughs> single time. Just come on, man. Help me out. Help, help us out. I was much better at this like Star Wars RPG game that I played. Oh, really? Yeah. So Dungeons & Dragons, no, but Star Wars. Although, if you're, good at that, if you're good at that, you could, you could, you could yeah. figure out the Plus, I feel like it's more... It's more in now. I mean, there was a whole big D&D inspired plot line on Riverdale this past season, which I was very excited by. Mm-hmm. It's called, they, they were playing a game called Griffins and Gargoyles. I remember that. And, uh, and it's, yeah. then people start killing each other for the Gargoyle King. Oh, no. But he's not really a gargoyle. Just like Satan. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone in the 80s was killing, murdering for Satan. Or well, actually, they weren't. But people, kids, kids right. got kids got put in jail. They for thought it. they were. They said yeah. they were. Can't kill people for Satan anymore in this climate. No, not no. not anymore. Not nowadays. Not, not according to Netflix. No. <laughs> they will. Uh, we were talking before we got on the mic that yeah. So I just did this this Netflix movie um, out in Boston and sleepover. The yeah. sleepover, yeah. And when I landed, they were like, oh, so you have to have your like safety briefing or the way they explained it. I was like, what? And it was a representative or somebody from Netflix legal for about 40 minutes straight without taking a breath and without me saying anything on, you know, just unprompted, just went into everything you can and cannot do in today's world, which is like, if someone has a nickname, you're not allowed to call them by their nickname because even though they don't find it offensive, someone else around them might find it offensive. And they're, you're like, so what, of course, do we all do as soon as we get to set is make nicknames for each other. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, like, of course, like we're doing exactly what they're telling us not to. That seems very intimidating. Like, here's a, you know, a, a list of things that will definitely ruin things for you. Listen, <sighs> when we started writing on Daybreak, a Linda came into the room. Her name was actually Linda. She was from HR. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was black, though, not white. Mm. Um, and Progress. She, yeah. Right? And she gave us, you know, like this 
whole spiel, you know, it's like, we're your friend. HR's your friend. And, you know, oh, really? like, don't buy that. Don't buy that. I never believe that. I don't buy that. HR is the company's friend. <laughs> yeah, um, but sure. That's like someone, yeah. We knew that because then when we'd be on the Netflix campus and you'd see Lyndon, you'd be like, hey, Linda, she would look at you like, who the fuck? Mm-hmm. Are you? How are you? <laughs> I'm not your friend. <laughs> I'm trying to get to lunch. Don't touch me. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> trying to inject you with this microchip so we know where you are at all times. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, but, uh, you know, the the thing that was just kept going through my head was, like, I was on True Blood. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, give us the sexual harassment spiel. Come on, give yeah. it to us. We're on a show what about was... necrophilia and bestiality. It's what about was... corpses fucking people. Like, <laughs> come on now. Like? It was insane, dude. It, it was, yeah. I mean, it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was a bunch of very... Serious actors yeah. who took their craft very seriously. A lot of heavyweight stage actors. A lot of people from Carnegie Mellon, Juilliard. A mm-hmm. um, lot of uh, uh, really serious, you know, European actors, not taking the show too seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I remember. God, I, I mean, I it should remain nameless, but I remember being on a sitcom. Uh, doing an episode during that the run of True Blood where they were having a moment and they got these huge ratings and I was talking to the star of the show and I was like, hey, congrats on the ratings, man. That's incredible. And the star's response was, well, you know, it's really about the craft for me. And uh, Can you people know, not hear themselves? <laughs> that is that is the cliche of cliches coming from an I'm actor. I'm like, dude, you're uh, this show is ridiculous. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> like your craft. Like, meanwhile, <laughs> on True Blood, like I'm working with, like I just, you know, I was in a plot line with Dennis O'Hare, like uh-huh. two-time mm-hmm. Tony winner Dennis O'Hare, who's like one of the greatest American treasure Next actors level. ever. Mm-hmm. And all we're talking about, we're fucking around talking about ratings. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh, did you see the ratings for something? Oh, great. You know, like, how much money did you make at that convention? Oh, sweet. You yeah, know, like, right. that's our conversation, meanwhile. So there's a bit of it. What was beautiful about it was that everybody was just so good, and the material was so good, and, and, um, and, and the material was so much fun that, um, we, you know, we just had a blast. But there were a lot of those talks about, like, yeah, you turn a corner and someone's having a very in-depth conversation about bestiality because it's like mm. the werewolves are now showing up on the show and we mm-hmm. need to figure out if when a female werewolf who is pregnant shifts, does the fetus also shift just in theory? Mm-hmm. And, mm. you know, we're we're trying to figure all that stuff out, which was kind of ridiculous. When you think Stevie Nicks has a solo revisit. album about that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> People need to revisit True Blood. Like, they do. What, I'm, you're talking about like new, like real New York stage actors, like mm-hmm. some of the best performance, like Dennis O'Hara hair in that yeah. one monologue he has to camera at the, at the end of I think season the newscasters yes chair. season three yeah. the, I think season three is my favorite season oh, well, so I appreciate that by the, by, yeah nice. and by the end of it that's the stakes are so fucking high also shout out to Rutina Wesley who fucking never yes. really got the credit and slayed that show up and down like oh they gave her I mean she was crying for three uh, seasons straight she's incredible yes. yeah there was everybody was covered in blood someone was dead I mean I have to give a shout out to the late Nelson L who mm-hmm. was a, on God. another level? Yeah, yeah. he Icon. wasn't an actor; he was a channeler. He yeah. that he was a vessel. When you were in a scene with him, it was like he disappeared and something else mm-hmm. entered him. It Truly was, great. He was amazing. And a great I mean, you had, you had Fiona Shaw walking around being a witch. Miss Fiona yep. Shaw. Thank God she's yeah. having like an extreme moment now. For sure, it's very for exciting. Sure. It's really fun yeah. to see. Yeah, I agree. People should revisit. I'm going to revisit. Truth you Bob. must. I, I actually discovered it. I was I was on a lot of Viking. I had my wisdom teeth removed, and this is a great way to get into True Blood. Yeah, is right. If you just you're got immediately your wisdom immersed. Teeth removed and your couch <laughs> bound. Takes a little bit of the edge off. Takes yeah. a little, and honestly, you ease right in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that first episode. 
episode's hardcore. It is hardcore. Like, and you're like, either going to, like, I remember watching the first episode, and I can take a lot, and I yeah. like crazy, weird, man, that first episode, I remember just sitting there in the dark after the day was over. <laughs> just, yeah. I didn't know what to think. It is breakfast, lunch, watched. and dinner. It is yeah. a lot. I remember my dad would come in, and he'd check on me in my, like, drug-induced, like, wisdom teeth removal state, and it would always be an intense sex scene. He's like... Are you watching porn? Like I, under, <laughs> I understand you're on another planet high, but just tell me if you're watching porn. I'm like, I promise it's like a really good drama, New York stage actors. It's not porn, it's HBO. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Do there you get, is. I guess, Bob, so do you get recognized more from True Blood or Magic Mike now? I probably Magic Mike at, at this stage mm-hmm. in the game. But like, I just came from New York Comic Con, and that's a True Blood audience. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? yeah. But, but when, I'm on, when I'm on the streets, it's usually Magic Mike. Mm. The streets I, of LA. Or, yeah. or Albuquerque. Or Albuquerque. Yeah. Streets of Albuquerque. Yeah. It's like Big Dick Richie. Are What's there up? any yeah. um, life skills you learned in Magic Mike that you still apply in life? Are you asking yes, me if I, like, if I like practice my dance moves on my wife? <laughs> I don't know. There's a voguing sequence in one of the movies. Oh, there is. Yeah. Um, when are you going to be up on a stage with a thousand a thousand screaming women. Yes. Yeah, screaming. Crazy. Screaming to the point where your ears hurt for the next two days. Like mm. deafening. And then like you do some move and, and it goes even louder. Yeah. It's like it's a drug. Like you 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 I totally understand why those guys keep doing that. Like I you know, I mean I so I directed this documentary in between right. the Magic Mike yes. about this the oldest, longest running male strip club in Dallas, Texas called La Bear. Mm. And namely this guy named Randy the Master Blaster, who is a, was at the time was a 55-year-old male stripper who had been stripping there consecutively since 1979. Wow. And um, he's now since turned 60 and is still stripping there. Like, he's wow. still going. And <clears throat> you understand why somebody would want to keep doing that. Like, uh-huh. you know, you get, you're, you're a god for those few minutes you're up on stage. And... Um, and so, yeah, I mean, are there, like, life skills? I mean, I don't know. It's like, I, I mean, I'm, I met my wife during that time, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. I was, you know, there, something was working. Yeah. Um, she's pretty rad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's yeah. pretty cool. So, but I, but I really do think that, um, yeah, I, th- I think there's, there's, a, there's a certain amount of confidence that you get. You also, like, I think you understand the male-female dynamic from a perspective that, I could have lived my entire life. People would live their entire life and not really understand. One of my castmates, I won't say which one, but I found him after he did a routine. That It was awesome. I ran backstage to give him a high five, and I found him with his head in his hands, like huddled, like taking up the least amount of space possible, sitting on like an apple box like with his head oh, in his hands. Oh, my God. And I'm like, dude, are you all right? And he looks up and says, she licked my balls. <laughs> <laughs> And I went, what? She licked my balls. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Rabid. So then someone else ran back and they're like, hey man, that girl, <laughs> she went back to her table with the other extras and she was high-fiving. I guess she's a lesbian. And she was high-fiving people saying, my mom would be so proud of me right now. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my What God. a triumph for her, that wow. paid extra who was at work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a personal triumph. <laughs> Will that hold up in court? My mom would have loved it. Yeah, well, my, honestly, if her mom's the judge, yeah. <laughs> I actually am proud of her. <laughs> court is adjourned. Yeah. That is the plot of the All Rise pilot. Yeah. Yes. Go, cl- <laughs> go clean up your room. Yeah. yeah. You know, but there was this question also, too, that I got a lot on Press Tour for Magic Mike, which was, you know, do you feel objectified? Mm. And I was like, yeah. 
And they're like, well, are you upset about it? I'm like, hell no. No. <laughs> no, guy, we, no guy cares no. Like why you like them as long as you like them. What do you think? <laughs> like I rolled out of bed in this kind of shape? Like this takes work. It like, looked empowering. Man, yeah. you know, like come on now. Do yeah. I, before I leave the gym, I ask everybody around me, am I jacked yet? <laughs> Please tell me. You have to fill out a card. Would you give me a dollar bill? Yeah. <laughs> How about a five? Yeah. Or a ride home. Yeah. <laughs> in Albuquerque. Yeah. Would you give me a ride home? Because my car you keeps car? getting stolen. <laughs> yeah. Before you go. Talking about that gem, what would you tell Keep It listeners one thing that they should do for the Joe Manganiello look? For the Joe Manganiello look? Yeah, like, if they're would... just like in the gym, not Equinox, because we've all canceled, allegedly. Um, <laughs> what, what, what's, what's something they should do? They should read my book. Mm. I wrote a book a few years ago called Evolution, and it's really, it's the mind the mind is the reason why people don't achieve their goals, whether that's in life or in the gym. Mm. I can teach you how to do curls with proper form in about 30 seconds, but that doesn't mean that you're going to stick with it. Mm. And so it's, it's just um, I always say to people, you know, you know how to swim? Get wet. You know how to write a book? Sit in a chair. Mm -hmm. You know how to get in great shape? Put your gym shoes on. Mm -hmm. You put the shoes on, you'll go. Like yes. you, you know, but nobody's gonna make the time for you. You, you just you, you got to put the shoes on. You got to go. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I put the shoes on and I stay at home, and my <laughs> trainer texts me, "You are late," and then I go. Uh <laughs> and also, abs are made in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Yeah. 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 Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Well, we know Lewis loves a list. It's all I love, arguably. Do you remember the VH1 show with The List? I miss that so much, where four people would just sit around and pick their three favorites of something, and then the audience would say, we agree or we disagree. Do you remember a list? Dallas and New York. Yes. Mm -hmm. That came up recently for some reason. Why? Oh, I always want to bring up Riken Lemkul, who is one of the gay guys on that, who used to date Lance Bass. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He, he looks so much like Powdered Toast Man from Ren and Stimpy, and I wish more people would appreciate both references. Here's he has had so many... <laughs> iterations, by the way, in just like reality TV, because uh -huh. we were first introduced to Riken on The Amazing Race yep. with his man who he left for Lance Bass. Mm -hmm. He's uh, also an actor on in, in the series Dante's Cove. Yes. I remember that. Yes. Uh, we I think we all at this table remember Dante's Cove yeah. from being great material for us all in the in our younger years. Just just like, if true, I'm with just my like sisters. true Blood, it was it was full of great acting. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I remember Dante's Cove mostly as like a DVD you would get at a LGBTQ fundraiser in 2009. Yep. These are the lives I've lived in LA. Yep. Mm. E- that and Eating Out 2, but never one. Right. You can't find it. But <laughs> yeah. Eating Out 2, mass marketed. It's like Street Fighter, the original game. It <laughs> starts with two. It's like yeah. Star Booty. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg's favorite Eating Out is none of them. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Buttigieg doesn't know he has a butthole. <laughs> Uh, but we're I'm talk- kidding. <laughs> Do not at me. I think it's it's an emoji, actually. Uh, it's, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a memoji. Uh, uh, but we're talking about lists because this week, uh, on Monday and Tuesday, Pitchfork released articles listing the top 200 songs of the decade and mm. the top 200 albums. And that, the albums list just came out, so I have not seen that list. Yes, but the but singles I'm going to give you a little, little sneak preview. Oh, okay. A little taste. Ooh. Okay? A little... A little flavor in your ear. Okay. A flea <laughs> in your ear. Fade out. I, I know the reference. Go on. I can just keep going. All right. <laughs> um, at number one of the songs was Kendrick Lamar's All Right. Which I would say about that, by the way, is also the best award show performance of the decade at the BET Awards, I think, in two, um, mm-hmm. 2015. I mean, talk about... You thought things were going to change in music. I mean, just it's a crazy, super mm. powerful performance. He's such an amazing live performer. Mm. Uh, it was followed by Grimes's Oblivion. That's a very interesting I, choice. This is, that's a bizarre, out of left field. Like, I like we're that being song. artsy about this choice. Right, well, it is Pitchfork, right? Yeah, uh, I do like that song a lot, uh, specifically because it is a song about um, her post-sexual assault. Mm. And um, the video, I love. It's um, it's her just like dancing in traditionally masculine spaces. Uh, yeah. I think that the video and song are very strong. Uh, not really Grimes' best album, but anyway. My uh, 2012 yeah. emerging sh- Canadian Chanteuse will always be Carly Rae. So mm. yeah. take Absolutely. that, Absolutely. Well, and then it was followed by Robin's Dancing on My Own, Beyonce's Formation, and Frank Ocean's Thinking About You in fifth. I would even, I, I like that they're in the top five. I would even go that those are one, two, three. For me, anyway, I am quite a faggot. So it's like, mm-hmm. of course, Dancing on My Own is going to be number one. But like, th- there was a moment where I saw Robin's concert at the Barclays Center like a couple months ago, and she played Dancing on My Own, and it was just this communal, just like primal mm-hmm. scream of like joy. It was I can't even describe it. It was just like everyone knew we were listening to the song that like defined our generation. Mm-hmm. Dancing on My Own, I feel is just. But I'm again, I'm. A ten out of ten on the Kinsey scale. No, here's my here's my <laughs> problem with that song, especially coming from a pop diva place. Sure. I, I and I'm I think the only gay person who's sort of not super on board with that song. The protagonist is too much of a loser. She's sad, Lewis. Dancing on your own she is not all, cool. She has all the human emotions, Lewis. She's sad. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like grow, like grow up. Your she fa- doesn't want to be dancing on her own. I'm she wants sorry. to be dancing with her lover who's over there in the corner. She's <laughs> watching fave, you kiss her. Your fave, uh, Karen Carpenter, got depressed by Monday. Yeah, truly. <laughs> okay. But she, she watches dr- the birds and she's weeping. <laughs> <laughs> but she admits it. She's not like, isn't it cool that I'm over here and I'm dancing by myself? I don't think club. she's, I don't right. think Robin thinks it's cool. I don't think right. that's her. POV. Karen Carpenter's like, touch me when we're dancing, please. It's like, bitch, that's how you dance. <laughs> wow. It's so true. She is... I can't believe... Leave Robin alone. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> also, to me, uh, unfortunately, 
the best of Robin to me is always her first two singles, the ones from the '90s, because that's actual like pop. Show I like me pop. Love. That sounds Ma- Max Martin. And no, and the even better one. Mm. Um, do you know what it takes? I love mm. that song. Mm. Both for, went to number six. For me, well, I'm gonna say "Dancing on My Own" is her is her her apex. Mm-hmm. That's what I. Would I've say. always preferred "Dancing on My Own" to "Call Your Girlfriend." I would agree. Yeah. Call Your Girlfriend's amazing, but I I almost like Hang With Me more than that song. Mm, like yes. I I love that song. I love You should Cry know. When You Get yeah. Older, I love. Time like, Machine. Yeah, there's so much there, good there's shit. There's a bops. And, and uh, the new album. I would say Honey I like. Honey's great. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have a lot of newer things really on there, except on albums, um, Lana Del Rey's Norman fucking Rockwell makes the top 10. Oh, how interesting. Um, that is so premature. Right. So here are the top 10. But they have at- to make those judgments yeah. sometimes on a list like For this. For sure. Here are just, the albums. Again. Number one is Frank Ocean's Blonde. Okay. Okay. Two is Kanye, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I thought that was going to be number one. Which yeah. I thought would be number one. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that that was a defining album of this decade. It has my favorite Nicki rap on it. Um, For sure. Yeah. Has her record label's favorite rap on it, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> Three is Beyonce self-titled. Oh, uh, they, they go self-titled and not Lemonade. I, was I also would. Yes. I, would, I would agree. Because and further down on the list, they have my favorite Beyonce album, Four oh, before for sure. Lemonade. Yes, I wow. But so, but they they rank all of those albums. Those three make the top two hundred albums of the 2010s. I am appreciative of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's weird is they're very appreciative of Beyonce in this mm-hmm. respect, but not of Taylor. Her only album on this is is Red, which I feel like the you know sort of like. Yeah. We're being like hipster, artistic, liking music people. They love a Carly. Mm-hmm. They don't like 1989, which I'd argue deserve to be on this list. I mean, 1989, we, Lewis and I have discussed this. I believe that 1989 is her best album. It is. Um, yes. And I, I kind of, I, I appreciate everyone's love of Red. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy we're past the moment where we can pretend that Lover is is, is her quote-unquote best since Red. It is not. We can no. kind of now with a few weeks, months even, we can see that Lover is fine. Red but has Red so is, many highs, but its lows are so skippable. It is tonally inconsistent. And I also think that's part of the narrative. It's because it's a transitional album, but mm-hmm. I think that in order to call something one of the best albums of all time, it would have to be a little bit more tonally consistent than Red And is. not everything for everyone. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas, yeah, 1989 is very streamlined. Absolutely. Uh, other than the uh, Shake It Off being the lead single, which has nothing to do with the rest Garbage. of the album. Uh, I, I get why it is, though. Yeah. Even, even, even the weaker songs on 1989, like the ones like um, uh, I Know Places, like I'm appreciative mm-hmm. of her risks that she takes there. Whereas well, like on Lover, I'm like, you need to cut five of these. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. The, the, the downside of 1989 not being on the top 100 is that... I think that Blank Space is her best song. Uh, without, Probably. And, without question. And, or I would say Out of the Woods. Leads, everyone yeah. always leans to queen. All Too Well. And yeah. I'm like, Blank Space should be in the top. For me, All Too Well is like getting this bloated reputation. It's overlong. It's, 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 to me, it's, I get that it's a journey, but like, it's just, it's epic for epic's sake. And I, I'm right, not as... We get as... that you pulled out your guitar, Allie, but also like... The Allie. Start singing about jeans, okay? Yeah. Uh... The fourth album is Kendrick to Pimp a Butterfly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fifth is, I wholeheartedly agree with five, it is Fiona Apple's 
The alder wheel is wiser than the driver of the screw, and whipping cords will serve you more than ropes will ever do. Honey. What she had to do, to do. what the other girls should have did. Can I tell yeah. you something? That's the full title. I own title and when the pawn. Fiona Apple is actually a blind spot for me, and that is ex- extremely my world. It is. Anybody I'm who's shocked. the second stage at Lilith Fair, that's my entire world. Yeah. I'm yeah. shocked She's that Fiona's not your girl. Yeah. I like, um, I like that she had a little... The extraordinary recently. machine thing I enjoyed, yeah. Her her little uh, her spat with little Nas X, right? Briefly, cute little guy, and now they're friends and gonna record something together. Oh God, not everyone needs to record something after they make up. <laughs> I don't think we need Fiona Apple and little Nas X together. They can keep that in, 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 in the voice of your podcast. Well, she also had the Renaissance in Hustlers, obviously. Yeah, when, uh, J-Lo I love took, that narrative. You know, now, that would, she and J Lo bridged love, the gap. I would like a Fiona J Lo collabo. Come on now, would you? Yes, okay. yes. Okay, bring out Fiona Shakira, at the Super Bowl. Yeah, Shakira's canceled at the Super Bowl. Instead, it's Fiona and J Lo. <laughs> Her performance uh, of this world is bullshit. It's yeah. going to bring down the house. <laughs> Six is a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Is that? I guess that's the album Solange. I would pick by her. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, because I think that the latest Solange album was a scam. <laughs> Wait, we're saying that A Seat at the Table is one of the t- top 200 best albums of the past 10 years? That's yeah, what we're saying? Six. It's at number six. We're saying it's number mm-hmm. six. Mm, I like Let that Let it album marinate. I know. I, Does that EP it? count? I would, no. um, I would pick True. Oh, True is very good. Yeah. Seven is Vampire Weekend, Modern Vampires of the City. Interesting. Well, we are friends with him now. So. Yes. Uh, I'd love it. No, I mean, it's great. <laughs> uh, I actually would argue that I think, uh, and I've told Ezra this, that I think Father of the Bride is their best album. Um, but that's also the album after Rostam left. So it depends on how you view Vampire yeah. Weekend and when you came to them. How if you you're take like, it. If you're going to be like, oh, this is their new era. And I think that you will have to... Time will have to pass for people to yeah. appreciate that, oh, this is a different Vampire Weekend. But we love it. Yeah. But this one is this one's fine. It's a very good album. I would say I feel like an albums list. We would all agree, our individual choices would sound something like this. We would mm-hmm. agree with critical consensuses. But in terms of singles or songs for the 2010s, would yours also run way more pop? Mine would be of much course. more. Mine's all about yeah. explosive singles. Yeah, absolutely. I, I albums. I need like singles. I need something like like this Vampire Weekend, Solange. Like they'd be up there for me because for. Me to love an album now, mm-hmm. especially in this post, um, you know, having to go out and buy an album mm-hmm. era. It's like I need to be able to, at home, have an experience with an entire album yes. for me to be like, oh, yeah, it's okay, like a movie. this feels worth it for yeah. an album. Some artists who we love create like amazing singles. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they're just sort of thrown together on an album, and you're like, this doesn't make sense. They have sense. nothing to say. It doesn't make sense outside of um, being shuffled on a Spotify playlist. I will say, I think it's weird to me. Robin's anyway. eight, by the way. Body oh, talk. Really? I, I love that. Yeah. I, I think it's weird to me on the singles list that work is um, Rihanna's song that they chose. Because I actually think on... The like, goopery of that. The, I, I don't think it's her strongest song on that album. My, my number no. two. I would I made say a, Desperado for me, and Kiss It Better, and I mean, even close to you. I actually stand a Rihanna, Rihanna ballad. No, yeah, uh, occasionally I do. I mean, she's a, she's gotten so much better as a singer. Oh, so but much my, better. But my in the short list I created, my number two is by Rihanna, and it was What's My Name. Oh, What's My Name because, is a bop. Because I love What's That to me time. is the transition point from big pop hook oriented Rihanna to 
big dick energy, Rihanna. Yeah, she mm. she was giving you How about that? superstar. Yeah. That and that actually loud to me is one of her strongest albums. Lots of loud, amazing loud fucking albums that a, does a not get monster. the respect. Yeah. Skin. Love it. A song. Love it. A song. Yeah. The word the word classic has been used. <laughs> I actually speaking of modern classics, I love that formation was number four on the list of top songs. Yeah. I love I it. I think that actually is Beyonce's best song. And not just because of the song itself, the moment it created. Yes, absolutely. The, the dropping of the video coupled with that Super Bowl performance mm-hmm. and the reaction to it. Oh, yeah. That is Beyonce's forever moment, A moment in, in pop culture for me, more so than um, the Lemonade album in general. I, and I'm yeah. totally fine calling Formation the best video of the decade, mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. On my personal top ten list I made, my the song I picked by Beyonce was Blow. Just mm-hmm. because to me that has like a sort of... Prince slash disco vibe that I wish she would entertain a little bit more. Mm-hmm. My favorite song off that album is Jealous. Mm. I think I, I love any song that really specific that's specific lyrically. I like, mean that that presents like a specific situation that's like unique to her. You can't really cover it. And it's just like so I, the production on it is gorgeous. The video is amazing. When I think love of that. Matt Rogers, I think of I'm in your penthouse half naked energy. I am. Yeah, and I cook this meal for you, Naked. <laughs> and I would say something. We don't discuss in the song how the meal tastes. But I did we cook don't. it for you, Naked. <laughs> I did cook it for we you. We don't naked. discuss whether or not it's actually from Postmates. The words <laughs> but now we said it. Used. Yeah, the word Postmates has been uttered. You know who is not on that singles list at all who gave my number one song of the decade? And this is this is technical because I think the song peaked on the charts in 2010, but it's technically mm. is from 2009. Can you guess who it is? Um, no, go ahead and tell me. TikTok. That's my favorite. Oh song wow! I remember this is an example of a song, and I think Carly Rae might have done this with "Call Me Maybe." The first time I heard it, I said, "What the fuck is this?" The second time I heard it, I was like, "This is the best song of all time." Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's so because it, it was so kind of. Embracing like low, right? Class. I am disgusting. I'm gross. And also funny. Yeah, you know, like every one of the lyrics isn't just "I'm a mess," which is my least favorite brand of Twitter. Yeah, I can mm. I can name all the gay Twitter people who are only "I'm a mess." Tumblr.com. <laughs> we see you. Yeah, I'm a mess. I never leave my home. Right? Yeah. Can I bring pizza to the club? Yeah, that uh, bullshit. Like this selfie Horrible. of me in a mirror. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, you're making fun of me. No, I was talking about that. Oh yeah. Oh, someone's <laughs> sensitive. The, 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 wow. No, I thought you were coming for me. Sad, sad Twitter does like, oh, here's a selfie of like me in a cardigan. Oh, in my yeah, yeah, home. yeah. Right, they yeah. usually don't take a photo in a fucking Radisson in, in <laughs> Madison. No, it was like in the conversation. It was gritty. You look like you were about to be murdered. <laughs> <laughs> there are stakes to my sexuality. You look like you, you, look like you were Matthew McConaughey about to be murdered in the paper boy. Oh, I forgot about that part. <laughs> oh, wow. So did I. Jesus. Yeah. Okay, anyway, back to TikTok. Yeah. So it's really funny. It's really Also, by the way, so Teenage Dream isn't in the top 10, right? Psycho. It's a cr- that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like a definitive got, pop single. It, it's 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 what actually made Katy Perry to me. Yeah. Because I actually I've never been more positive that someone was going to be a one-hit wonder after hearing I kissed a girl. And then Hot and Cold and especially thinking of you, I was like, "Okay, Katy's here." And then California Girls, it's like, mm-hmm. we're just, I love this song, but I get what we're doing. And then Teenage Dream was like, again, another moment where she was like, oh, wow, you might have some some staying power. Yes, I would actually argue that I would put Teenage Dream close to my number one song mm-hmm. of the 2010s. Just defining. But that also just talks to how the people who made this list 
engage in music differently than yeah. three games. So, um, True. Can we, can we get this kind of sample size here? Is it, is, it, is it the Pitchforks critics that are putting this together, or is it like, do they go to some, people? Some people? Some people contributed it. You know, mm-hmm. like I know Hunter Harris wrote about um, Lemonade for the 2010 We stand Hunter album. in this house. Yes. She's we freakishly young, which she's, upsets me. She's literally number one. Her yeah. Twitter, if you're not following at Hunter Y. Harris, you're not following at Hunter Y. Harris. <laughs> also, by the way, Period. on this list, are we not disturbed that Runaway With Me is the only Carly Rae song on it? It's like, don't be in denial. Call me, uh, uh, well, they put emotion. Call me maybe very, needs to be on the list. I think, high up. Yeah. Um, and I think that Pitchfork is just very much, they like that era of Carly. Yeah. You know, especially they also love probably that it... Um, didn't get the sales, maybe that Carly. Oh yeah, for. that's v um, You know, it's it's that. I will I just, just think it's more okay for men to like that album because it's less bubblegum than her other material. Which well, to course. which I say, hey men, embrace bubblegum. Of yeah. course, it's like nineteen. It's like nineteen eighty nine though. You know, yeah. famously, Pitchfork didn't review nineteen eighty nine, but they reviewed that fucking cover album. It's so crazy by the, the man. Ryan, we, by yeah. the man, we will never discuss not again because we stand Mandy more. Yeah, we love house. you, Mandy. Um, I would say like. The thing with Carly, it, it just shocks me that after the huge success of her first album and, and the singles, and not just Call Me Maybe, that whole album was successful, that Runaway With Me was not a global hit. Yeah, it's weird. It's so strange. It's Even me, cuts it's, to the feeling. It's like, how is this different from other pop songs that are doing extremely well? It's so weird to me because it's not like you don't have a bankable name. I mean, you know you liked her as a pop star the first album cycle. It's now Here She Is with better material. It's For me, it's two songs that I can't believe were in global hits. Run Away With Me by Carly Rae Jepsen and Am I Alone Out Here? Thunder by Jesse J. To me, mm. Thunder by Jesse J is a fucking stomper, F5 tornado, killer pop song. You are alone there. Why, bitch? I like Jesse J. I don't know. I wish you would let Channing Tatum out of her um, dungeon so that he can make movies again. I'm specific- I'm not talking about the woman behind the music. I'm talking about the music. The woman created. How, do, you, do you have vocabulary for thunder? Do you know thunder? I know thunder. You don't stand? Bitch, you always talk about thunder. I like the song. I love I don't know. Song. I don't think it's... You're I don't coming think out it's hard all... for women who yeah. sometimes have a hard bang today. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not a hard bang, it's a full shaved head. It's yeah. a full... like Forget it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and being in Grease Live for one minute. Like she... But we stand her in Grease Live. I would Live. argue Domino. Sure. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't stand in your way. Massive. My last thing I feel like, um, which was included, um, K. Michelle's More Issues Than Vogue. I love mm. that album. It's an R&B album that has stuck with me um, since it came out. Um, and I think that, I don't know, she just deserves more respect uh, in the industry. Do you know what song is a little tiny little snack, which I can see sneaking on there just because Pitchfork might be wanted to be cool and like throw her a bone, is Get the Fuck Out by Mariah. I'm withholding uh, comment because my keep it is related to Mariah, so we'll get into oh, that. Oh, I guess right. we'll get Moment into it. Well, then, we'll go straight into keep it. Yeah. After this break, though, you know we gotta <laughs> gotta pay the bills. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It, you know, where we talk about what we don't like this week. <laughs> and before we get into it, my my first brief Keep It is to glasses. Mm. Oh, to you, not being able to see. You have 
transformed. I, I got LASIK now. And then I got a sty, which is some like <laughs> O. Henry-like reaction to you getting LASIK. Well, yeah. listen, Truly. I had to make a deal. I had to make a pact. I I, I could see it. Okay, I, with Judge Jeanine Pirro. She said, <laughs> <laughs> if you get LASIK, something has to happen to Lewis. Yeah, it's a Harry Potter Voldemort situation. Yeah. One cannot live while the other survives. Yeah, she's she's just stalking around your apartment. <laughs> eyeing your sister. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but no, my real keep it, I will get into in a moment mm. because we will let Matt Rogers go first. I, as the guest, go first? Yes. Okay, so I would say keep it to, um, so uh, last Friday I went to the Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Hollywood, my mm. second favorite Universal Studios after that in Florida. And um, Don't love anything in Florida, but continue. Keep it to all the Lupino <laughs> Nyong'os trying to kill me in the US maze. Okay, so oh. you will go, you will find yourself in the US maze and Lupita Nyong'o herself will be coming at you with a pair of shears, a pair of scissors, a pair of cutters and will be coming <laughs> for your entire life. And if you think that she didn't take a swing at you with what felt to be very real scissors, they can keep it. And there's about 15 Lupitas in the maze. And if you want to be truly scared, you can go to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios <laughs> because this is the production value is through the roof. I was wondering about this because the commercials have Horrifying. this black woman and a woman who looks like her yes. chasing her because it's us. But I'm also like, there's no way that they can have duplicates of everyone who goes to see horror. So I was nights. disappointed that when I got there, my doppelganger wasn't in there. That I was Lewis really looking, wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, trying right. to kill you. Lewis in my silhouette, like <laughs> trying to, wait, to kill me. You had to wait till you came here for me to try. I to kill know you. exactly. Yeah, wait for the parking lot, sweetie. <laughs> Surprise, Matt! You're dead. Oh my god! I knew it the whole time. Wow! So you're saying the shears looked really real? <laughs> they were uh, the production value that they they put all the money that they put into their regular attractions. It seems into these Halloween mazes. Like, it's a true fright. And then Stranger Things was more of like an art installation. It wasn't scary. It was kind of like, okay, cool. This is fun. But like Winona Ryder's performance. <laughs> um, but the Us maze, that was terrifying. And that score is pumping through. Mm. It's crazy. It sounds like it made more sense scared, than the movie, though, which I still do not stand. You don't stand the movie? I have to What tell you. is it about? I, I can't tell you I didn't see it because I'm too scared. How about that? I didn't, I didn't see... I don't see any horror movies because I am too anxious, but I did it force people to go with me to Halloween Horror Nights. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that says. I think I'm more comfortable in a haunted house because I can run away. Uh -huh. In a movie theater, you're famously sitting. That's true. Still. So you, yeah, you're moving through it at your own pace. Yeah, of. yeah, yeah. So... Uh, you know, you can kind of like you have. I have my wits about me and my body, my very spry body. I can sort of like move around. So you probably hated the Tower of Terror. No, well, you know what? I actually, it's interesting. Even though you are sitting on that, I like it. Mm. I think it's theater. Yeah. Anyway, Lewis, what is your keep it? My keep it is to all celebrity memoirs that are not Mariah Carey's upcoming celebrity memoir, which she is officially writing. She's given updates on this before, but she has talked about how. She's going to detail her many travails and her comeback a la Emancipation of Mimi. Yes. And let me just say, I want to hear it exactly from her lips. Yep. Because let me tell you right now, based on the lyrics we get from Mariah Carey, no book will have more adverbs. I'm Nonchalantly you, has been used. Incessantly <laughs> will be in the book. I, in the word incessantly will be used. She is just, I, I've talked about this before, one of the few irreplaceable celebrities that you could not have made up. Now Ever. she's morphed into the Elvira of Christmas, mm -hmm. which is always mm. exciting for her. In a way, I feel 
there's a certain class of gays who are maybe five years younger than I am who don't know the full story of how amazing she because was. Because they missed 1995 to 2000, which was crucial right. Mariah Carey apex. And, and as we saw in Drag Race. As we saw. Like the, the, the younger gays who like in that When they episode, didn't know who, who Mariah was. Know Mariah anything deeply humiliating right she's so funny i think also in a weird way the remnant of that time that is still around is the song hero which is her worst of her 18 number one hits and by the way everybody should be able to name all 18 of her number one hits Mm -hmm. if you can't then and honestly hold on i'm gonna do it i I think i can do it in order i think i can do it in order. starting with okay vision of love love takes time Someday, I don't want to cry. Talk about a song you never hear anymore. Uh, I don't I li- I listen Emotions, to the hold Mariah on. Album oh, yeah. yeah. Emotions, day. and then I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. And then it's Dream Lover, Hero, Hero Fantasy, Fantasy, One Sweet, One day, sweet day, I'll Always Be My Baby, mm-hmm. Honey, My All, Heartbreaker. No, wait, did you? No, because Butterfly was number two. Never mind. That's not Honey, one of them. My yeah. All, Heartbreaker, Thank God I Found You, We Belong Together, mm-hmm. Don't Forget About Us, Touch My Body. I think you yeah. missed um, Shake It Off. Nope, not number one. That was not no, number one? No, it wasn't. That but must have just missed. Yeah. yeah. I listen to the album Mariah Carey uh, mm. basically almost every day. It's just like it's a it's a good sort of like mood setter for me. So I hear like I Don't Want to Cry, Someday, <sighs> Prisoner, Love Takes Time. Yeah. Uh, those are bobs. The music I think, I that, think of all I of think our childhood. If it's over, me, I love. No. I think that to me is maybe one of my like favorite Mariah. Butterfly to me will always be in my uh, heart. I mean that that has like really good B-sides too like songs that weren't singles like Whenever You Call I mm-hmm. love. I love the Whenever You Call that's just her not yes. the one with Brian. Yeah. Love she sounds Butterfly. Yes, that's the one I with, mean Butterfly That has Baby Doll. It has mm, Roof. I mean the roof. July. The Roof is the shit. Underrated video yeah. too. And also Breakdown you have yeah. you have to stand. I mean um, And also the Queen of Remixes of course. We forget course. that she has sort of given us the universe of remixes as like art form. And also yeah. really kind of was the impactful feature queen mm-hmm. because when she had Jay-Z on Heartbreaker, that was a moment and people weren't doing it as frequently yeah. before that. That was a watershed. She never gets the credit. I will argue that I think that the divide between the younger gays is not just missing the 90s. It is knowing a Mariah before that TRL yeah. moment mm-hmm. where she came out with the ice cream with Carson, and then she had her exhaustion moment. Because for us, that was a shift in the Mariah Carey that we knew. You became worried. And yes, you became yeah. worried. But the Mariah Carey that came after that with Emancipation was already now campy, yeah. wild Mariah. You were used to it. Mm-hmm. You uh, had to get that. You had to have a Mariah in your mind who then shifted that day. Right. Uh, arguably, she shifted at the MTV Cribs, where she well, that too. where she taught us that in order to give a tour of her home, she has to change outfits four times. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if you look back at late '90s Mariah, even when the music was good, she is cuckoo bananas. Yeah. I mean, Mariah was always cuckoo funny, bananas. but yes. You know what I want to see? What I want to see the gritty Joker, but about Mariah Carey. Honestly, feed it to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. let her rise up and inspire people to come to theaters and just sing. Yeah. Also, I have to say, the Glitter album slaps. It does. I like the the song Lover Boy. And it deserves... Amazing. Isn't it finally streaming now? No, I don't think it is. Oh, I had to buy it on iTunes. Yeah, because Glitter had like the moment. Yeah. The, around Caution Era, the, they were like, bring back Glitter or whatever, the hashtag. Yes. Rem- oh, it, and it started charting. Glitter. Yeah, it started yes. charting again, and she was very tickled by it. I went to, I'm like a huge Mariah fan, so I went to this, like, she had like a thing, like a listening party in New York, or she was talking about the history of her career, and she was talking about how she's so happy to know 
that people like the album because she just assumed that it was something she should be wholly embarrassed by. But she stands by the music, and yeah. the music is I love it. Great. I mean, I love Never Too Far. Yes. I l- DJ Say My Life? Yep, 100%. Yes. Didn't mean to turn you on? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Well, I would, which is, of course, a cover. Yeah, I don't cover. know if she will get another new number one, but I would argue that the Lambs are crazy enough that yeah. – one of her old songs could go number one. Well, by the at way, some point. all I want for Christmas is you still has not hit number no. one. It's it goes to like number three every year. Do you that what will, we need to get do? There? Yes. I mean, it gets yes. bigger every year. Yeah, I think that's, she's a genius. Can she release a remix? She did a new one. Like I don't know. I would, I would be Lil, Lil okay Nas, with, let's get that number one girl. I'd be okay with the re-release of Oh Santa, which I thought was great. Mm, yeah. Mm. Anyway, my keep it is to Rihanna. Oh. Rough. Rihanna, Rihanna, who is releasing new content, it's not an album. Yeah. It's a visual book. Whatever the fuck that is. A visual book? Highlights for Go children. On. Uh, a coffee table book. Can you color it? I just spent $150 on a book that is not coming with music. It is not coming with tour tickets. It is not coming with merch. It is a goddamn book. Well, no one spent that money but you, bitch. Is uh, it, no, wait, it's mostly sold out. Wait, is it mostly pictures of Rihanna? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yes. It's, it's the experience of having Rihanna in my living room. Now, here's the problem with coffee table books. I can just Google image search you. So why do I need a book of you? Because when you're at a party, you know, there's something about just like lounging through a book. Okay. You know. I, actually, you, you, I socialize you, at parties, but that might be just me. Mm-hmm. It mm. is. It is. Yeah, well, We've all been know. hoping you would stop that. <laughs> well, um, you know, some of us come <laughs> from... The theater. Of and course. And so, you know, when I'm at a party, you know, you really need to run your fingers across a tabletop. You need to sit down. Did you just say theater is the... about touching a book? <laughs> yes. You know, you need to you need to be active, you know, like Famously, active in the background. You, you should know, be just... wheeled out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thespians, uh, you know, the thing about them is they touch books. Well, you know what? When I was Amanda in Glass Menagerie, uh-huh. I touched all those figurines. <laughs> I touched all those books. <laughs> When I was Amanda. I actually and the do drama appreciate, desk loved me. I do appreciate that she is doing something in the vein of, uh, I'll say, Madonna's sex book. Because mm. that's an era of celebrity I miss. Like, I'm putting out this wild release, and there's a party with S&M at it or mm-hmm. something. You know? So mm. I appreciate that. I of. love Rihanna's commitment to being our Madonna. Yeah. She is. And mm-hmm. her commitment to doing anything but releasing an album. We'll get it, and it will be fabulous. It will be. I believe we'll get it by the end of the year. She will, she will drop that shit. Whenever the- YouTube style mm-hmm. to our iTunes oh, to gosh. our iPhones December thirty first. That does feel a little 11:59 bit like fifty nine p.m. It does feel a little bit like being a two thousand twelve apocalypse believer. Like <laughs> I do think we are going to get it by the end of this year. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Anyway, that's our show. Thank Can you, you to believe? Joe, thank you to Joe Manganiello. Thank you for letting us objectify him. <laughs> well, we actually were pretty good. We were. We well were. Behaved. We we were. We were. Um, Thank you, and continue his side eye to Matt Rogers. What you bitch? Can, you can hear him on Las Culturistas. You yeah. could. Why would you though? It comes out the same day as Keep It. He's been We're twice on the show. On the charts. I, I don't think we compete. <laughs> We're not. We're not. I think they call us a comedy podcast, and they call you guys a what? Society. We were and culture? society and culture. We're, we were moved to comedy this week. Were you really? really? last week? Yeah. Ugh, I hate when my on talent this, takes over. It on, sucks. On this, the episode I guessed on. No, last week. No, now we've been last moved week. back to drama. <laughs> yes, yes. That's our show. Thank you so much. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Keep It is a product of Crooked Media.
Caroline Rustin is our producer. It's Caroline Like the Princess, the one you don't care about. Our editor is Bill Lance, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thanks to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadine Melkonian for filming and editing our video content every week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.